Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. Robert Silverman is a freelance journalist in Brooklyn, New York. His work has appeared in the New York Times, ESPN, The Daily Beast, HuffPost, The Guardian, Vice Sports, Deadspin, The Outline, and more. His work on the far right is some of the most insightful and detailed around. We're huge fans of his writing, and we're thrilled to have him with us here today. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating and a review on the app that you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe at didnothingwrongpod.com to get our content straight into your inbox. All of our work is free, but we're extremely grateful for paid subscriptions and donations that ensure that we can keep doing this important work. Thank you. Robert, welcome to Did Nothing Wrong. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me, guys. No problem. So, Ali Alexander's gotten himself in a little bit of trouble this week, it seems. Um, again. Again. Oh, who could have predicted this? Who could have? After the whole coup thing, I figured he would have straightened his act up and gotten on the straight and narrow but i guess uh, you know see what you did there <laughs> yeah there was a joke there he's got himself in a little bit of hot water here it came out yesterday the daily dot is reporting that the colorado police have opened up a case against him apparently an investigation is going with regards to him soliciting uh, some photos yeah from a 15-year-old. 15-year-old. 15-year-olds and 17-year-olds. There was a, there's a, someone dug up and, and God, God bless all of the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the former, like all the groypers and the far-right hang-ons who are putting their investigative, let's call it, skills to use, digging up everything. There's, there's a, there's a clip from a couple of years ago where, where someone was asking him about this, or maybe in 2022 even, it might've been last year, where someone is asking Ali about getting photos this has been by the way just to be clear all all of this gossip about ali alexander um has been around since 2015 or 2016 mm -hmm. when he returned to when he returned to like post the uh, teacot hashtag prominence and <laughs> like and anyway so so there's and and all of them just are constantly appearing on each other's podcasts. I know that's hot, calling kettle black, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> constantly. <laughs> but so there's the thing where 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 someone says to it, where he goes like, he basically says that it's not illegal to solicit explicit photos from someone who's 17 years old, and I'm like. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it is, man. He's <laughs> like, yo, you can you can say anything as long as they're 17. And I'm like, no, wrong, <laughs> incorrect. Number one, why do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> no. Sounds like a man who has done his research on he that subject because he knew this he was coming at some queen point. Queen doth protest too much. Um <laughs> it's Wow. The lady, is it the lady? Am I misquoting am I misquoting Hamlet? Me thinks the he thinks the lady. He thinks the lady doth protest too much. We are not that highbrow, so don't don't worry about Edward it. Edward Taylor is gonna <laughs> kick my ass for that. 
in any case, it's really fascinating to me the way this story has come out. Uh, again, for those who don't spend a lot of time in far-right online circles, this may all seem as somewhat new and shocking, but it has been a kind of known unknown for a while in in those same self-same far-right circles that that Ali, you know, was bisexual or mm-hmm. is bisexual, or or if he doesn't just, uh, you know, he doesn't feel like identifying in that way, has had mm-hmm. uh, sexual contact with men and women. He has now admitted that he's bisexual. So just so that's out there. Yeah. Just so that's clear. Yeah. I think it's the way he put it in his apology notes uh-huh. app. Thing. Struggled with same sex attraction. SSA. I believe. He SSA. didn't even say same sex attraction. This is a thing that's huge, by the way, in Christian communities that, that even <laughs> saying the word same sex attracted is somehow a bridge too far. And so you'd have to go with acronyms like SSA, which was what is in his email. <laughs> Or his note, post-it note that he distributed to the world saying he has struggled with this. And of course, the hilarious thing is that while Milo Yiannopoulos didn't really, I don't know if I want to say did the reporting on this, but has been, let's just say slowly but surely over the, especially and especially over the last month or two has been posting information about Ali on Telegram and why he's doing this goes back to the now aborted and apparently stillborn yay for president campaign. Right. Which is why I I was doing this. Do we want to get into the origin story? From what angle should we attack this? Because there are so many. Well, let's talk about the idea of yay 24 because it definitely seems to be, as you said, somewhat stillborn at this point. It was a very big push for a while on the part of all of these guys. And culminated in some really insane TV appearances on the part of Kanye West on various yeah. various platforms. And cost Kanye many, many, many millions of dollars, uh-huh. yes. clearly. So Kanye West, you know, he, he made noises about running in pres- for president in 2020. He, he also did the same. I think he, he even talked about it sort of in a half, sort of a tossed off kind of way in 20, 2016. But in 2022, he decided, no, I'm going to take the plunge. And Kanye West is going to run for president under a platform of I'm Kanye West and I'm running for president, I think is the pl- is, is the best way to define it. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was no website. There were no policy positions to speak of. There was no campaign rollout. There was just simply him talking on various streaming platforms and those conversations were increasingly dovetailing into straight up anti-Semitism and mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and talks about uh, can we can we mention a certain uh, World War II era German leader? We can. This? Is we that can. Oh yes, go go right All ahead. Right. Yeah, he he was full on with Hitler did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it was all intermingled with these. Look, Kanye has a tracked history of struggling with. He described it as bipolar disorder with certain mental conditions. But, you know, this loggery extreme of information came out where there were Jews hiding under every single cover and they were all out to get him. And somehow they were affiliated. In one interview, I think he said that the CIA had placed a plant within uh, and had them working for the gap, which, you know... (laughs) I think That's that was that was the, the underlying principle of Operation Northwoods, if I if I if I remember my history correctly. 
that there was a, there was someone working at the Gap, or it may have been Adidas. I may be misremembering. <laughs> who didn't know anything about design and fashion? So to, yay, it was clear that this person was CIA, mm-hmm. and uh, they all of these forces were conspiring against him. He was claiming the IRS was targeting him, and and in the midst of spouting all this, just utterly hateful and ancient anti-Semitic nonsense, he got dropped by every corporate partner that he had. And which led to appearances with first on on Tim Pool's nightly program, which which was remarkable that he he managed to make it was amazing. Tim Pool and Luke Redkowski look kind of almost sort of reasonable. <laughs> uh, I don't even call them reasonable. I just think look. Tim Pool is not equipped to handle a confrontational interview. Yeah. Tim, the closest Tim Pool has ever gotten to a confrontational interview is the time that a rapper like looked like he was going to beat him up on air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be clear, you have seen far, far too many hours of Tim Pool's content, and we salute you. Very impressed. How's your brain? How are your brain worms? 93% of it is fine. The 7% guacamole. (laughs) Starting to get a little smooth is what you're saying? Yeah, it's quite smooth, creamy, and delicious. And then the parts that have been filled with endless broadcasts, endless Tim Pool broadcasts. But in any case, he goes on to, I don't know if I would call him, Tim Pool has never done, just a little background, Tim Pool does not do confrontational interviews. He does fawning interviews with Everyone who appears on his show, this was the case starting from when he first launched his YouTube channel. So he was not prepared to confront this. He had it in his mind, I think, that he was going to make Kanye explain anti-Semitism. And by the power of logic and reason, once, yay, Kanye, we'll keep flipping back and forth. Once yay saw saw the error of his ways, he would... Uh, I, I don't know. It would prove to his audience that anti-Semitism was bad, or maybe he would get Kanye to change his mind or something. Who knows what Tim had in mind, but he does not have that skill set to do that. So Kanye steamrolls the entire interview and does, you know, a, about a 20 minute version of the same rant that he's done everywhere. And, basic, yeah. and, and it only comes to a point when he says, you know, that starts talking about they. They won't let this happen. And you can practically uh-huh. see the, you know, the three parentheses bracketed around <laughs> uh-huh. they when he's saying it. So Kanye West, you know, is they. And Tim, he does this in a moment when Tim is agreeing with him. Because Tim doesn't have the skills to counter this very, very deranged and paranoid ranting that is coming out of Kanye. And so he's like, well, he starts to pivot to one of his pet topics, which is the media. And he says... The media is out to destroy you and slander you. And he says, they are out to destroy you and slander you. <laughs> and first of all, that's that's just factually not true at all. But no. leaving that aside, Kanye doesn't like it just being they when referring to the media. Kanye wants Tim to say Ziyudin. He wants him to say Jews. <laughs> He wants him to say Jews are, are trying to destroy you. And Tim, he, he doesn't say, no, that's wrong. You're a bigot. Tim says, well, that's identitarianism. 
And and that's how Tim Pool sort of slithers out of actually confronting the racists and the far right mm. kooks that he brings onto his show and platforms every single night. We only imply the bigotry around right. here. We never actually say it out loud. Come on, Kanye, what are you doing? Right. Tim is trying to get to his plan was to have a long conversation about the campaign, about the meeting with Donald Trump that had happened the week prior with Nick Fuentes and Miley Yiannopoulos in attendance. And he wants to do this long thing. And then maybe for the after hours subscriber only portion of it, they can start talking about the perils of the Jews using the black as muscle to destroy whites. But you have to pay to get that. And Tim wants to get an hour and 40 minutes out of it. And then later he can rake up some more money by getting the really the nasty bits. I mean, Tim makes this very explicitly clear in his show that for the first two hours, he will more or less hew to, to YouTube's guidelines. And then if you pay extra, you get to see them say things like the vaccines are a globalist plot founded by Bill Gates to enact <laughs> the UN's climate agenda 21 or, you know, to so that you will be living in a pod eating bugs and being happy. And Klaus Schwab is out to, you know, ruin your life. And you'll get straight white nationalist stormfront type propaganda on Tim Pool in like little bits and doses. But you have to wait for the extras to get there. I mean, Tim is still, by the way, go like he has switched to spouting some very serious like white nationals drivel these days. His main thing that he says these days is that everyone should leave the cities, take their kids, homeschool them. By the way, you should also have many babies to repopulate this great country because all those babies will then vote Republican because they're being homeschooled. It's basically Tim describing the oldest plans for how to build a white ethno state without explicitly saying it. So I don't want to look like Tim is doing a good job of whitewashing the things that he says. It's not subtle. In any case, the interview with Kanye ends because Kanye clearly planned to walk out. He said like three times, if you don't let me say exactly what I want, I will leave. Finally, when Tim says, yeah, maybe kind of, you know, it's not a good idea to blame the Jews. You can just blame these Jews. That's it. Kanye walks yeah. out. Yeah. Tim wants it to be to say the corporate press and then yeah. you get the hint of who controls. He wants to the say corporate the corporate press. press. He he wants to say George Soros. He wants to say them with parentheses on it. And he, he understands. I mean, like Tim has had I'm trying to think of the number of anti-Semites that Tim has had on air and, and straight up white nationalists like Jack Posobiec being mm -hmm. practically a, a, a de facto guest host at one point gavin yeah. wax has made multiple appearances um being very white nationalist connected to the new york republican club oh gosh who else hotep jesus oh has been on multiple <laughs> instances john doyle has made an appearance um isabel moody another you know classic jew hater has made an appearance like they, they he has once Cassandra Fairbanks took over the booking duties for his show mm. in the fall of 2022, the guests went, Wah! just veered. They took a right turn, a hard right turn. And Tim doesn't have any interest in vetting or learning about his guests. So I was going to ask you about that because he even two years ago, he was trying to say that Trump supporters hate him and he was still trying to be this kind of centrist, not all yeah, the way in. Uh, we, can, we can go back to Ollie in a second. But <laughs> for the, for Tim Pool, I wrote, uh, we, we can include it maybe as a link in sure, the, sure. in sure, the sure. pod, but you, if you'd like to read it, I have a long feature on Tim Pool uh, and how he 
self-radicalized. Just to be clear, your piece is like the definitive oh, yeah. study of Tim Pool. So people should read we it. We used it a lot when we did our episode on him. So thank you. We are really... Wow. Of course, yeah. of course, of course. It's the the basic thesis is something that Becca Lewis says, which is in the story, which is that there's been, and especially in 2020 and 2021, when I was working on this, is that there's been a ton of research done on how online rabbit holes radicalize users, how you know falling into a 4chan Reddit hole, 4chan hole, or a Reddit hole, or a Discord hole, or whatever, will lead to radicalization by people consuming this. There is a lot less study done on audience capture, which is how the process of creating content on these platforms radicalizes the creators themselves. And that's the basic gist of the story, which is how what were the market conditions and what were the forces that led Tim Pool down a path where he's gotten way, 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 where he's again talking about like leaving the city and make sure you buy chickens because when the hipster coffee shop residents are are starving after the civil war and come to your door you will have a gun and be able to shoot them if they try to steal your chicken <laughs> how tim pool got to that place but like a lot of it i think is guns he got heavily into gun culture i mean he is and he has said this himself he is heavily armed he has in his compound in West Virginia, he has a serious armament. In addition to, he has said, armed guards on staff at all times. <laughs> so Tim Pool right now is in, and his first sponsor was one of those like ready meal, like doomsday survival. My Patriot Supply, wasn't it? Yep. Yes, My Patriot Supply. Yeah. Uh, code Tim Cast for an extra discount on, on the beef <laughs> bourguignon and the uh, mac and cheese. Yeah. Mm -hmm. tasty we've gotten a little afield but yeah, in any yeah. case <laughs> going back to kanye so kanye after the tim pool visit decides that uh, more media or kanye's brain trust which is milo and nick fuentes by the way at this point mm -hmm. uh, and ali have decided that going on Infowars because <laughs> alex will just let him say whatever he wants Tim Pool is an NPC, you know, and you're a real, a real human being. So no one's ever heard of uh, Tim Pool. You know, you're the legend that is Alex Jones and you were fighting on the front line. And now we're here with you. You got some other superheroes, part of the Avenger movie fighting for Christ. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, I, I see. I, I see good things about Hitler also. The Jew. I love everyone. And Jewish people are not going to tell me you can love um you know us and you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts and you can love what we're you know what we're pushing with the pornography but this guy that invented highways invented the very microphone that i use as a musician you can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good and i'm done with that I'm done with the classifications every human being has something of value that they brought to the table especially Hitler. Look, I fine. love Jewish people, but I also love Nazis. I don't think Hitler was a good guy. I get the uh, the Hugo Boss uniforms, amazing. Uh, but, I mean, just because you're in love with the design, you're a designer, can we just kind of say, like, you like the you like the uniforms, but that's about no, it. No, we, we, no, I, there, there's a lot of things that I love about Hitler. A lot of things. <laughs> and... The highlight for me of that show, of course, was that Kanye never took a full ski mask off yeah. while he was on, or a full-faced mask, right. uh, a gimp mask, yep. I guess. Right. I don't know. It was and wild. Kept, 
<laughs> imitating Benjamin Netanyahu using like uh, whatever it was, a fly swatter, some kind of puppet. It was a fishnet and a bottle of Yahoo chocolate drink. Yes. And kept speaking in a sing-songy, hi. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. As performance, as a fan of Andy Kaufman yeah. and, and like, and even Marina Abramovich, not to get into like Pizzagate lore, oh, but no, you don't. <laughs> as an actual Marina no, Abramovich don't. fan. <laughs> Oh, so of course Beautiful. you don't like them. Of course. <laughs> yes. Oh. Like, look, look, I've done some light spirit cooking. What? It's not a big deal. Oh, God. How much children's blood have you? Oh, so drink? much for the tolerant left. <laughs> oh, just marinating I mean, in a Dana Chrome over there, huh? It's more of a digestive than anything else. Let's be clear. The main course is far worse. <laughs> Uh, in any case, so after the Alex Jones appearance, Kanye's political campaign, as it were, pretty much disappears. I'm not clear from the reporting that's been done, nor have I done any on my own. But basically what it seems like it happened, according to their various you know, posts on social media, is that there was a power struggle between Milo, Ali Alexander, Nick Fuentes, to a sort of somewhat lesser degree, Laura Loomer also mm -hmm. over who actually would be working on this campaign. And when I say working on the campaign, I mean getting to slurp deeply from the gravy train that is Kanye West paying for this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, exactly. Chief minder. Yeah, there was a fight between Milo, evidently, and Karen Jorno. Also, he billed Milo for $100,000 for consulting and various travel fees and something else. There was a question about what what percentage of that constituted actual work. Uh, I think he only got something like 40 grand for his weekend just hanging out with Kanye. Meanwhile, this is somehow angered, you know, Ali Alexander, who feels like he should be the one leading this campaign and also presumably getting paid large sums of money to do absolutely nothing with this. Basically, there was a sugar daddy out handing out candy. And all of these people were desperate to be the one getting the most candy. And once they started figuring out a way to elbow each other out of the paint, Milo thought now was the best time to drop receipts once he'd been sort of lost favor with this world and the checks stopped coming. And that's when he started publishing all of these old, you know, what appears to be uh, some of them are, uh, are on Signal, a bunch more were on Snapchat, others were, you know, Telegram messages themselves showing Basically, that Ali Alexander was using whatever position of authority he had and whatever clout he had in the far right movement to try to lure young men into uh, into hanging out with him. And then in a couple of occasions, as you mentioned, sending him nude photos while they were underage, which is it is grooming. Yes. Yeah. All of you people <laughs> who have been screaming, OK, groomer at every at, at every gay person within their orbit or beer company or library or children's hospital that they mm -hmm. can find guys we found it el dorado it's right there <laughs> this yeah. is the lost city of the incas of groomers and it is right in front it was in it, the call was coming from inside the house guys <laughs> And now I believe that Ali has headed for the hills or at least has stopped posting. And, and he's, you know, sort of he's going to do what he always does when the fit hits the shan, which is run away until enough people forget. And then he'll he'll pop back up on the horizon. It, I mean, this is the same thing that he did when he got busted 
Again, the National Bloggers Club, I believe, was the name of his outfit that he was running in 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And he was accused of siphoning money from them also and like promising all these things to all these politicians. And then once the heat gets turned up, he went away. And with Trump, he started sort of bopping back into their orbit. So none of this is, you know, this is all part of a pattern for Alexander. And for those who haven't watched any of his, say, Periscope broadcasts, which I'm going to, I'm raising my hand right now. I have watched those because I am a sicko. Uh, (laughs) I am am the sicko's meat incarnate. I will watch this stuff. (laughs) You know, I could have learned a foreign language in this time. Multiple foreign languages. I could have developed skills. I could have learned. You could have learned the code weld and stuff like things that would actually be valuable it's crammed with this nonsense and like i know know, we absolutely feel you the 1995 mets starting lineup and like (laughs) none of it is (laughs) worth a goddamn thing (laughs) mistakes were made (laughs) okay so you have watched ollie alexander's periscopes I sorry. I apologize. Sorry, mom. I did it. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Sorry to all the people who believed in me. I did watch. Uh, I've consumed the Samus dot. In any case, Ali Alexander, this was especially true in the early days of Stop the Steal. I watched a a whole bunch of them. This was in November, Mm. November, early, early, the first, second week of November, when right after the networks finally made all the calls for Biden. Ali Alexander was hosting nightly periscopes to discuss strategy of what is to be done next. He often he was joined by uh, Mike Cernovich, mm. who has sort of tried to wash his hands of his own participation in the Stop the Steal movement, but he was very famously promoting rallies and protests for at least the first month in, in December. Uh, Jack Posobiec was on a number of these as well. So just like the whole you know, a bunch of your fave far right uh, superstars were there, but Ali Alexander's like when he gets on a roll, especially when he's doing it solo, they get biblical. Like, oh yes, it does not take much prompting to get him to to start spouting about the rate, like God raining hellfire down upon all of the miserable sinners, and yet somehow Ali is also directing the hellfire himself. He sees himself as a great man of history, as a central character in the growth of fascism in America. And while he engages in, let's say, some hyperbole about how much impact he has had and his own importance and his own abilities and everything, I don't think he is entirely wrong. If you look at the path that conservatism has taken from the moment we elected a Black guy um, and the, the rise of the Tea Party, he's been there every step of the way. A bunch of Republicans decided that this one guy would be very valuable to help, you know, get the youths to start voting GOP more. And so they paid him to do things. And he was right there in the Breitbart era of of the far right. He wasn't ever, you know, published on Breitbart. And he's not a, a written word type of polemicist or propagandist. He's very much a... I will show up and give the word of the Lord to the people. I will bring the manna from heaven and, and and kind of thing. He's a verbal propagandist and not a written word propagandist, but he was very much a part of that. As we said before, he ran into trouble with some allegations of financial impropriety. 
Um, there was a, <laughs> a truly delightful WordPress type era blog called Breitbart Unmasked, where you can still find mm. a lot of an extensive like detailing of this stuff. Um, but like I said, when that movement died down and Trumpism began in 2015, that's where he went to. And and, and if you want to read more, if you want a really in-depth article about 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 where he's been in the movement, I'm going to recommend Luke O'Brien's story and the Huffington Post. Right. It, you know, the, the headline, I think, is uh, how the Republican Party made Ali Alexander, or it's something to that effect. <laughs> but what Luke does a great job of doing is showing that this isn't just some guy who hopped onto social media and gained a, a good deal of power within the far right, that the institutional Republican Party was there working as his handmaiden every step of the way. You know, Ted Cruz was involved. Like I said, all the Tea Party people were involved. Roger Stone was certainly involved. This is mm -hmm. institutional Republican power elevating this person who, if these allegations are true, is guilty of some very, very, very serious and awful crimes, which, again, a lot of these very same these same people at least had heard rumors of and didn't seem inclined to do anything about. And when you talk about Mike Cernovich and Jack Posobiec, you're talking about people who made a name for themselves politically through Pizzagate, which was all about arresting the cabal of pedophiles and eventually kind of morphs into QAnon and they had to have heard this. Mm -hmm. right? They had to. Oh, they clearly had to have known. I mean, right. look, they're in any movement, political, in any political movement. Oh, boy, is there going to be so much gossip? That's what people do in political movements. They gossip. They gossip about who's in and who's out. They gossip about who's cheating on their wife or their husband and secretly hooking up with people. They gossip about who got plastered and said some embarrassing things at this, you know, really, really, really overpriced cigar bar that they all went to. That's what people in movements do. And it is, regardless of political valence, regardless of belief system, regardless of you want to talk about the noble and true and glorious members of the Democratic Socialists of America or the vile groipers, gossip is, is a huge currency. They had to have, to a certain degree, known. And Honestly, either Ali had too much clout for them to be able to do anything about it, or they didn't believe it, or they didn't care, or you know what, it's it's really difficult to, to act on in any movement accusations of improper improper behavior. Like it takes things like the the shitty media men list often to bring these things to the light. Like, you know, again, there is another self-defined social group, again, journalism, which had a whisper network that went around for a long time. And it didn't go you want to, if you want to look if you want there are plenty of things to criticize like these guys for especially because the hypocrisy is so glaring but i do think people uh you know keeping their 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 mouths shut and their and sitting on their hands when they start hearing about this is is that's the norm but yeah they all had to know oh that okay. clearly they all had to know i would be stunned if they didn't know yeah and now it seems like they're all running away from him as fast as they can you mentioned mike cernovic he's disavowed him <laughs> the new york young republican club has a statement out disavowing him gavin wax and his his bunch have just walked away everybody who can is just uh no we've never heard of him never you, heard of the guy you know who hasn't though you know who hasn't said squat who our buddy prilosek oh prilosek hasn't said anything really? jack prilosek yeah. Hmm. Or maybe he has, and I missed it. 
Uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. If you uh, it's it's hard because if you look at his Twitter feed, it is logorrheic. It is just an endless endless I know. posts. <laughs> he is a true poster. He is always yeah. posting oh, and yes. trying to get a sense of what he's thinking about, cares about or find any one particular thing within a mighty river that ceases not. It's very difficult to do, but I don't think he has. And my first thought is, you know, could be loyalty, I guess. Could be he doesn't want to get involved. Could be he believes that everybody else has already said what they're going to say and his disavowal doesn't do anything. But I think it's, let's say it's very interesting that he hasn't commented on this. Well, it is interesting that we ended up here because Ali claims he has a file on everyone. He claims, and he might release it, and he might, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna expose you. And then Milo apparently. I realize this is an audio only medium, so my my me pulling faces probably doesn't really. It's not something you might pick up, but I am I am raising my eyebrows to the ceiling with every muscle I have in my forehead right now. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the that's another reason why people might not want to take a stand here is because again, vis-a-vis the all the aforementioned gossiping, they've all got dirt on each other. They're yeah. all collecting files on each other. And Jack was a nobody. Like, I guess Ali had made a name for himself, like you said, 2010, 11, 12. And Jack shows up 2015, 2016 and is a nobody. And when you're a nobody, you got to hustle. In in 2015, he was still angry Game of Thrones fan on Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Again, we're going into deep lore. But before Jack Posobiec decided that he was a... I don't don't know what he calls himself now, a pundit or a reporter or whatever, or before he decided, you know, constructing this entire fictional identity for himself as someone who should be listened to about anything. He was just running around getting extremely mad about Game of Thrones going woke. That was that was how he got online viral hits is yeah. I mean you mm-hmm. describing it as such, but like he was screaming about that. He was screaming about Marvel movies being woke. He was he was he was a, a conservative cultural commentator under the under the under the username Angry Game of Thrones fan. And then of course, you know, at the Republicans at various events in, in the RNC, he starts sidling up to prominent white nationalists and throwing three parentheses around tweets because mm-hmm. there's clearly money to be made there. So, yes. So Jack has, a, and again, I'll, I'll defer to the SPLC's, you know, extensive reporting on this. He has a long history during that time, especially in 2016, 2017, 2018, of collaborating with white nationalist and far-right fascists, both in the U.S. and abroad. Mm-hmm. Like, he's an, he's an internationalist. So... Also, just as a note, I've had people who are native born like Mandarin speakers and didn't can speak fluent Cantonese like listen to that and like he's it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> he he claims to be fluent and yeah, he, he claims that he did <laughs> <laughs> he spent a little time in China, so apparently it didn't take I'm not gonna name the person uh, I uh, but uh, someone who has I'm an acquaintance with who is I made them listen to it. One, they were very mad at me for doing that. They were like, why are you, why is this, why is this dead-eyed ferret-faced person important to you? Why were you subjecting me to this? Um, I mean, look, Richard Spencer, by the way, the dead-eyed thing, Richard Spencer has commented on how Jack freaked him out. So that's not, uh, I'll defer to Richard's evaluation here. Mm -hmm. Um, But I made them listen to it. I was like, I just like, I'm going to play this 10 second clip. Is this, person fluent and they said no that's ridiculous no so 
he's that's just another <laughs> thing like when he would put former cbs news and his twitter profile uh-huh. make stuff up in any case yeah so ali was of higher status than 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 bumblejack at that moment in history um and so who knows who yes. knows if he has anything who knows if he's posturing all of these people are inveterate liars there is no reason to take a single thing they say at face value but maybe he's got some dirt it's hard to know what was going on. I, I, you talk about how often Jack is posting and like the Wayback Machine, the the archives tweets and all this. And Jack posts so often that it doesn't even archive all of his tweets because he's just going and going and clicking and retweeting and commenting. And I feel like there's got to be more that this guy did that we just didn't get a, a record of. But who's to say? Right. right. And maybe Jack doesn't know what they know. Yeah. I have a feeling whatever I'm speculating. I have no information, no reporting. I'm just guessing. I have a feeling whatever he knows, it's something that's not necessarily directly connected to politics. I have a feeling if there's dirt here, the only dirt that's going to harm that, that would cause any damage to these guys' reputational value is like what happened to Ali, where there's yeah scores of messages floating around of activity that that people from across the political spectrum uniformly deem awful. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. something like that. So my guess, and again, I have no idea, but if you put a put a gun to my head and ask me to guess, I guess whatever dirt that Ali has is probably something along those lines. Because again, like there's no there's no like, well, you know, like look, if photos came out of any of these people, you know, dressed in full stormtrooper uniform and and throwing up Roman salutes, yeah, no one's gonna care. No. No. Not at all. They'll say they were kidding. Do a thing. They'll say they were young. They were kidding. Yeah, yes. Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They were. They were shit posting. They were being an edge lord. Ha ha, lib. You have no sense of humor. Exactly. Which is why, honestly, I find it kind of ironic, and in a, in its own way, a little bit sad that the thing that booted Milo from this gravy train is incredibly tame compared to the stuff that comes <laughs> out now. Yeah, it's a whole different world now. Like in 2016, when my, when when the images, when the audio and the video from Milo appearing, I think one was the Drunken Peasants podcast. Another one was when he was appearing on, it was either Rogan or Rubin's show. This was a stock joke that Milo was telling at the time. He did it a lot. The stock joke was about some priest is that he learned how to, you know, pleasure people orally thanks to a priest. Right. Like it's like something... That was a joke that he told. And then the Drunken Peasants show, he went a little further and he started saying something about how, well, you know, in the gay community, that when when kids are, when when young men, often gay men are isolated, often there are ways that, you know, older gay people will interact. The sexual activity, like part of it is true, is that for younger gay people, finding a community of older gay people that they can talk to and relate to is a huge part of the process of coming out and learning to be accept who you are. That part, absolutely true. When it gets into predation, no, that is bad. No, 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 bad. And Milo didn't sort of make a distinction between those, but that's what he was saying. Compared to the things that we hear now, I don't think anyone, like, if that happened now, I don't think anyone would really blink twice, even within the context of the entire far right going into a trans panic and, and, and like, reenacting the gay panic to, to and satanic panic at the same time. Mm. Like, I don't think that would, that would 
that would cause him to get kicked out of Breitbart. I don't think that would make him lose his book deal. I don't think, or disinvited from CPAC, all the things basically excised to the point where he's, you know, doing home shopping bits on a, on a militant Christian shopping channel. Like it wouldn't have gone that, it wouldn't have gone down that way these days. So I don't wouldn't say I feel bad for Milo. How, how could you? <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's the kind of let's. I think it's the kind of thing that he probably feels a great deal of resentment about. Let's put it that way, right. yeah. or feels like he has gotten unjustly sh- like given the short end of the lollipop. Yeah, <laughs> fuzzy end of the lollipop, short end of the stick. You're mixing your metaphors, Bob. <laughs> damn it. We're. I think we're in agreement though that unless there are actual criminal charges here against Ali, then he's going to be back. Apparently, there are. And, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's. He's he's going to find a subsection of the right that doesn't care or they're going to hate Milo more or they're going to hate Nick Fuentes more. Like somebody's going to find him and and find a use for him. I don't have my finger on my pulse of like the Groyper movement and, and all the spats that they've gotten into to really like maybe you guys have some more insight about how they're dealing with this. Because I, I certainly again, I've seen a lot of posts by people who are mad at Nick for essentially turning a blind eye to all this. Um that part seems clear that Fuentes certainly knew, at least according to the screenshots that have been posted. Not like I'd expect a 24-year-old like white nationalist to, to, no. <laughs> to do the right thing here. But like, like well, that apparently has pissed off movement fascists. Um, that certainly didn't go over well. No, it's it's been called out multiple times and he's, he's getting criticized for it. But also one of the people that is... Um, accusing Ali or is wrapped up in the scandal and who allegedly sent these text messages to Ali is still defending Fuentes. It's smiley. He's still responding to people and defending them. And why in the hell he's, uh, he still wants to be part of Nick Fuentes and America first and why he's doing that. I, I don't know, but there's, there's a lot. And the amazing part about that is that Smiley is now, as of just right now, getting criticized by Nick Fuentes for like, well, why'd you lead him on like this? Why'd you send him those pictures? If we're all being honest, everybody knows what they're doing with regard to these stories. When Lance, who is probably a bisexual, is flirting with Ali and Lance is 17 and Ali is older and Ollie's interested in a teenager, which is wrong, and Lance is trading his sexuality for a political favor, we all know what that is. We've all seen that before. And many people in politics or other industries have participated in that. And it shouldn't happen. But it does. It's wrong. It's wrong that you have people that are using their position and status for sexual favors. It's wrong, especially when they're homosexual. It's especially wrong when they're involving minors. And it's gross. It's also wrong that whether it's women or it's boys, that they would use nudity or their sexuality to try to get a leg up professionally. That's also wrong. And I think that, by the way... At 15, 16, 17, I think you know what you're doing. Blaming the victim. Yeah, so now it's the 15-year-old kid's fault. Blaming the underage victim. We, we they absolutely are. are. Playing the GOP's hits, man. Absolutely That's are. some Freebird stuff What right was he there. wearing? What was he well, wearing? Smiley? So he was asking for it. Was he yeah. dressed provocatively? Did absolutely. Did he go down the wrong alley at night? Okay. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I mean, why he would do that? 
Well, because it, because there's no future for there's, like Milo is not going to leave a concert like a movement of young boys into the far right's vanguard, and and Ali certainly isn't. I mean, for better and absolutely one hundred percent for worse, like Fuentes is the only game in town for all these guys who 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 shit posted themselves into yeah. a fascist corner. So he doesn't really have a choice. Again, that would be my guess. I don't have any proof. I'm guessing here, but. What's there to do? I mean, one path would be to renounce all of this entirely, take every DM and email you've got, find a, a well-meaning reporter and give them everything. Hmm. And uh, by the way, Smiley, if you are watching this, my DMs are open and my contact <laughs> information is on my Twitter bio and you want to talk, I'm available at any point. I'm, I'm happy to hear anything you want to talk about with regards to these people. But I don't think he's, I think he's making a... Uh, calculating decision about how to handle this i doubt it'll work but you know yeah it's it is it's pretty bleak and pretty dark if i wanted to believe that there's a way out of this <laughs> for all of these guys and and i have to because it's too awful to contemplate the alternative right well, like you said, they can't even get a job at, you know, the local grocery store, or Walmart, because no company wants to be associated with these people. So, yeah. Just to pull back a little bit, we all, the things we did in our teens and early 20s, they're bad <laughs> in varying <laughs> degrees. We didn't fall into fascism, but they're, no. they're, they're, they're embarrassing and regretful and shameful and stupid because that's what teenage boys do. They do stupid things. They say stupid things. They behave in ways that often have life-altering consequences. But thank God none of them were captured and saved forever on the internet. I mean, that is yes. just... I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of the dumbest thing I've done. And, you know, granted, none of it is... None of it, none of it, it all pales in comparison to this. But there are embarrassing, awful things that I've said and done. And, and, and I am blessed to be old and washed enough that... that None of it was captured up for posterity and not even really, it wasn't even like emailed about. We weren't emailing each other about that. No, stuff. it just happened. It got relentlessly talked about at school and gossiped up at the wazoo and you were made a pariah. And that was the end of it. But it did, it was forgotten in the yep. balance of time. And it wasn't going to like, it's not like you, you purposely tarred and feathered yourself forever, which is what these kids are doing. But I, I have to think there's a way back even with that. I have to think there's a way for all of these lost boys that followed an absolute shithead racist Robin Hoods. Racist, uh, racist, uh, not Robin Hood. Uh, who am I thinking of? Pied Pipers. Sorry. <laughs> Out of this. Not Robin Hood. Robin Hood was good. Pied Piper luring. Got it. Right. <laughs> <sighs> In any case. Yeah, there's got to be a way back for this. Maybe their uh, Catholic faith is what's going to save them. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Catholic Church. Cool. Yeah, the awesome. uh, or organized religion. Speaking of uh, pedophile scandals, they don't talk about right. <laughs> and they want to go back to a traditional version of the Catholic Church where none of this stuff ever got talked about. Hey, hey, I got a, I got a segue right here. I got a transition. Okay. Speaking of wanting to go back into a revanchist past. <laughs> the 19th Amendment. Very good. Very good. Bravo. Mm. Smooth and cool as the other side of the pillow. Indeed. <laughs> 
they keep talking about this lately. The 19th Amendment. They want to repeal women's right to vote. This is so ridiculous that it's hard to believe that they're talking about it, but they're definitely talking about it. Yeah. I forget where I first... I mean, it was kind of thing that... What would be the origin story of repealing the 19th Amendment and denying the vote? I couldn't, for the life of me, dig this up and, and get a, a definitive, uh, I guess, inciting event for, for who was the one that started pushing it. But I have certainly watched, again, shame, shame, shame to me. I have certainly watched a number of podcasts and Twitch streams in which largely female, even. Yeah. I know. Hosts, again, I know Isabella Ann Coulter Moody is one of them. And Coulter has been one for a long time. And that was the kind of thing she would say is a tr- like trollishly when, you know, in between Bill Maher appearances. But they seem sincere. Now, to be clear, there is no like the, the, the Constitution in this polarized political climate. Get you a CNN job. <laughs> yeah. In our polarized political climate. I'm a serious pundit. <laughs> polarized. <laughs> Very bad. Polarized. There is no way to pass any kind of constitutional amendment. We, you could not even get a constitutional amendment saying that dogs are good and cool passed, I don't think. Uh, yeah. Um, that, would, that would get tied nope. up in committee. It would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of re- removing women's right to vote is not something that has any kind of popular momentum or backing or let alone is going to happen at any point soon. So if they want to get their, their britches in an uproar, like in a twist, getting mad about this, okay. The reasons for it are simple because if, if somehow you were to remove women from voting, well, then, you know, Republicans would win every single election and and and, and then be able to rewrite the Constitution to their heart's desire. Absolutely. So as a political strategy, sure, I think to make it sense, I, I think it's I think the goal isn't an actual, though, on paper amendment to the Constitution. The goal is just one to say outrageous things that will get people to listen. And because a woman saying, take away my right to vote. Well, yeah, you're going to smash those buttons and, and hear why, even if it's awful. He said, raising his hand and saying guilty is charged. And, <laughs> but I think the other, the secondary effect though, is to try to sort of gently nudge women to stay home. And just if the right to vote isn't taken away from them, well, then they'll act upon that agency themselves and not vote, which, again, brings us back to the the first goal here, which is enacting a white Christian ethnostate and doing it via the ballot. Yeah, and I think realistically, there are still a lot of women in this country who listen to their husband and vote alongside his politics. I mean, if I'm being honest, there are women in my own family, not my wife, but but my parents and grandparents. This was kind of just accepted as the way things are. We're in Tennessee, we're in the South, and it is a sort of traditional thing. So if, if the men get this sort of license to tell the women either to not vote or if you're not going to vote with me, then you can't vote. Then that does mean less people show up. Yeah. And they're fine with that. There was an excellent uh, Substack post by Sam Chris. Uh, I forget the name of his Substack, but if you Google Sam Chris with a K, K K-R-I-S-S, Substack, uh, you'll be able to find it. 
where he talks about like the reason why all these things are becoming so appealing now and not just this repeal the 19th bugaboo that they've, they've latched on to, but the entire, the trad wife TikTok videos, which appear everywhere. And that show again with uh, what's his name? Uh, Sovereignty bra, sovereignty uh. bra who is a co-host on that show, which is just one pickup artist humiliating like women who have an OnlyFans account. And, and, and again, the kind of thing that you, you will see all over your feed, unfortunately. The reason for those is because of the basic, look, the basic principle of a, patri- a, a deeply patriarchal run society is that if you limit women's value to being a birthing pod, if you say that women exist only to propagate the next generation, and that is the sole reason for their value, that may seem limiting and dehumanizing and, and awful for most women. But for a subsection of women, what it does is provide an incredibly concrete set of rules and structures that you can follow. It gives your life meaning and order. And I don't think you can downplay what might seem attractive about a life in which there are very strict rules and very strict orders to be followed, no matter how grueling, difficult, and deadening it might feel, at least it is an ordering structure which provides value to their lives. Uh, Natalie Wynn did this. Again, this is a great video. She posted uh, ContraPoints. Natalie Wynn just posted it talking uh, about J.K. Rowling and J.K. Rowling's transphobia and comparing the transphobia of J.K. Rowling to the homophobia of Bryant. What's her name? Uh, Anita Bryant. Her first name. Anita Bryant. Thank you. Right. And what uh, Natalie does brilliantly is shows that they are absolutely running the same playbook. It is step like from the things that they say about I'm just a mother who wants to protect her children and you are you are harming them and you are recruiting them and you are grooming them. And I am standing up for my rights as an American and a mother. Are they are lockstep with with the transphobia that appears today? And the the critics of the women's movement are exactly the same things that J.K. Rowling is saying now. But she says this in her, her video. And it's, it's again, cannot recommend it higher. Subscribe to ContraPoints, watch ContraPoints. Also, subscribe to Did Nothing Wrong, but um, counterpoints. <laughs> uh, it's an excellent breakdown of this about the why. Why would someone think that a that The Handmaid's Tale is like an instruction book and not a work of fiction? There are legitimate reasons and fears that it plays into, which I don't think should be downplayed. It's the reasons why people are attracted to all kinds of fascistic and hierarchical societies, even if they are oppressive. It's because. At least that's an ethos, man. Yeah. And it's a simple one. Yeah, it's an ethos, man. Right. Say what yeah. you will <laughs> about the tenets <laughs> of Margaret Atwood's world of, 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 of I, forget, I forget the name of the country, but like, say what you will, but like knowing what the rules are, knowing how to achieve success in those rules, knowing how to break those rules, that is appealing. And for women, who want to go back to this, I think I think that's exactly what they're hyping into. And, and yes, the role of women has gotten vastly more complicated and more difficult. Women's liberation has not in many ways made things easier for women. It has just made the needs and the demands and the strictures more difficult and foggy and harder to navigate. I say this, of course, as a woman myself. So... Um, <laughs> Look, I'm just, a, I'm a good ally, but um, so, <laughs> I'm trying to say. 
Well, and there are women who want to stay home and don't want to have this career and it does not appeal to them, but they also sometimes feel like they have to. Right. For women, for women who just want like raising kids, it is harder than any job you will ever do for those non-parents out there. Mm -hmm. It is harder. Um, Woman who does that while, who does that full time, no one is downplaying the difficulty of that job or just wanting to just have that job. It's when it crosses over, when it stops being a choice is when things get scary and frightening. It's a choice that can and should be respected. And I think there are, I, I, you know, again, I can only speak to the, you know, lefty circles that I run in. If someone says they said what they want to do, they're not going to be looked down on for it. They really are not. Uh, there are there are economic realities in which someday in which in some situations and in some cities, like having one husband as the breadwinner and one person as the child getter is actually cheaper. And more yeah. feel like financially beneficial. I've, I've known teachers who quit for that yep. reason. Yeah. Because they just like, if you're living in a big city and you yourself do not have a high paying job, whichever parent it is, the father or the mother or the father and the other father or the mother and the other mother, whichever party is not making enough money compared to full time daycare and after school activities. Sometimes, yeah, it's about the money. So for whatever reason, someone might make that choice. Again, I can only speak to the worlds that I operated in, the evil Brooklyn in like latte sipping mm. media circles, of course. <laughs> Kombucha drinking. Hello, wild. Antifa communist. Uh. Antifa super soldiers. Um, among, the, among we Antifa super soldiers, it's like, yeah, there are reasons why that would be. It's the removal of choice is when it becomes terrifying and what that removal of choice indicates and what the society that they crave comes back to. Look, I even get why, like, all of these dingus is posting like you know like bronze age pervert and 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 all of these horrible memes or 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 spending money to like irradiate their testes because they believe it'll improve the testosterone i understand what i i feel like i at least i understand what the appeal is and why they're turning to that life these days is so much less ordered complex and understandable and what fascism does better than anything is provide those answers in simple easy to read form with like instructions and everything that you can follow and do it it's why i like cooking so much you see because if you buy good ingredients you find a good recipe and you follow that recipe you get good food and if you make it for other people those people are happy they never question your motivations for making that food or your stylistic choices or your or your you know reporting perspective or or difficult cloudy uh you know debates about about art and aesthetics and all those things no 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 you cook food you do it right people are happy and thank you because it's simple and clear like fascism <laughs> cooking is fascism is what i'm saying and that's what- <laughs> Choices are hard, yeah. man. Choices are hard and often have unforeseen outcomes, which are are terrifying and can never be anticipated. No, no, definitely. Except when you know making a, a nice omelet. But <laughs> not sure how we got to cooking. I've utterly derailed this podcast. I apologize <laughs> to everyone listening. <laughs> no way. This is great. But yeah, it's like, it's it's really weird. It, and again, to go back to my old buddy, Tim Poole, the female guests that he have on all believe this and it's about this. He had an article on his website from his former producer who has since left the program directly and derangedly like saying that not only like, well, if we can't 
ban all women to have the right to vote, then only women who give birth to children should have the right to vote. Because women who don't are not contributing to the great glorious future fatherland and oh, therefore God. have no stakeholders when when we ascend to the godhead and so then only women who give birth to kids would be allowed which i guess <laughs> it's terrifyingly incoherent and awful the one question i have about all of this is like how do they ever expect to win another election with this kind of stuff out there i mean women at least the women that I know sure love being told that they're the vote for us so we can take away your right to vote. They sure love hearing that kind of thing. And I really find myself thinking like, how do they expect to ever win another election while women can still vote? I, I think they have given up the ghost on actually persuading anyone of anything. I think the mantra of the Republican party for the foreseeable future is a pure unadulterated power grab. It's voter suppression. It is taking control of state legislators to, if they can't suppress enough votes, straight up overturning the result in any and all states, which only by the thinnest of margins didn't happen already in 2020. I think it is, I think it's it's entirely undemocratic. And I think they like it's like the way that Christopher Rufo gets people online to spread his message by saying, like the worst comic book villain saying, here is my evil plan that I plan to do evilly. And here are the <laughs> evil steps therein. Let me bullet point them for you. Which like his tweet about, you know, critical race theory from back in 2020, I think when he was like, we're just going to have that mean everything. And that got aggregated by every pissed off, like, mm -hmm. you know, pissed yeah. off reporter I can imagine and then embedded in thousands upon thousands of or hundreds of articles. And I, think that they realize that just stating the evil thing they want to do works as a delivery mechanism mm. and it works as a signaling device to the true believers. I think on some level they have to know that these ideas are not popular at all. No. Like leave aside the pop like the whole the whole thing about how when you present even the bog standard liberal democratic platform to Americans of voting age and strip away party affiliation you know, most Democratic positions are more popular than conservative ones. You know, it's by 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 fairly large margins. Oh yes, people want reduced spending on on the military, which the Democratic Party doesn't want, but people want that. They want a social <laughs> safety net. They want single player health care. They want you know, like help with like you know child tax credits. They want all of these things that are you know. Basic, mm -hmm. fundamental, New Deal era democratic positions if you tell them to them without saying where they came from, let alone fascist, you know, ideals like we're all going to be wearing like basically all these guys saying like, look, we're manufacturing armbands. We're not sure if we'll need them, but they're they're here just in case. <laughs> <after ready." laughs> it's a way to get the liberals mad and talking about it and to signal to true believers that here's what they are. So they don't care about persuading people. They really don't. And meanwhile, you've got Kevin McCarthy with his latest proposal for the debt ceiling cutting food stamps. But nobody really notices or pays attention or talks about it because we're fighting 18 other battles, culture war related or adjacent. Yeah, it is remarkable. I, I feel like two things I know for true with Republicans right now is they are all chasing content and they definitely want power and they want more power and they love it. 
if that converged, but if it doesn't, it is the Republican Party stopped being a political party around when Trump, like when Trump took it, like grabbed it by the throat. They're, the only way to view the Republican Party is to look at them as influencers. They are online influencers and content creators. God, I hate that expression so much. God, <laughs> but that is what they are. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So if you apply the influencer logic, I think it's a lot easier to see why they do things and how. It's because the only goal is to for an influencer is to attract more followers, likes, retweets, engagement. That and the way to do that for all kinds of influencers is reflecting the needs of the consumer back at them. So that's what they do. They have found a percentage of the American citizenry, 30 maybe, I'll say, 25, 30, somewhere in that range, more yeah. terrified and angry and armed to the teeth. And they are going to tweak the fears and the resentments and the paranoia of that group. And that group being as fearful and rageful as they are, they are easy marks because they are blinded by those self-same fears and desires. So that is what they are doing. They are constantly feeding their own fears and paranoias right back in their face. And if it doesn't work well enough, they'll A-B test it and tweak this fear. So it might be, you know... It'll be critical race theory for a couple of weeks. That kind of, you know, it defeaters out. And then suddenly, oh, well, but there are trans kids playing sports. And we're going to go absolutely to the hilt on that, to the point that they're just that there was a video this morning of, of Ben honking Shapiro this morning saying that local municipalities could ban men wearing dresses at all. <laughs> that that would be legislation that could be passed on the local level because... <laughs> it's degenerate yeah. or something like that. <laughs> so that's what you do when you people get satisfied with one thing or it doesn't work, you up the ante and you feed them a more terrifying version and you keep tapping that exact same dopamine hit again and again and again. And once that nerve goes raw, you give it, you juice it up a little. And that's what all these like, yeah. and they will do it by making, you know, their constant streams of podcasts and social media posts and things like that. or going on Fox News to create clips that are ready to be used on podcasts and social media posts. But if you think of the Republicans as influencers, that's the way that they function. And it can't really work in a national election or even really <laughs> in a lot of like Senate and congressional level elections because voters do in the in the fullness of time get a glimpse of these crabbed gremlins that they are putting up for an elected mm -hmm. office and they're saying no we don't want a two-minute video of blake masters lovingly fondling a gun that he makes sure to let us know was built by the germans in a desert <laughs> the weirdest political ad you will ever see Yes. Uh -huh. Unbelievable. It's like it's like they made a, an instructional slash training video for FBI profilers and said, look at this. That's what the serial killer looks like and acts like. They put a lot of money into that guy. <laughs> they really sucked money into that dude. Wow. Oh, uh, but yeah, yeah, Peter Thiel, he wrote checks hard for that. <laughs> so it's okay that they keep doing this because, again, just to circle back, it's, they don't plan to persuade anybody aside from just like in K-pop, like influencers don't really want to tell like sports writers who are into Springsteen that they've got it wrong. They don't care. Right. <laughs> and instead of trying to win anyone over, we see the, the latest 
bit of news is they're trying to get uh, voting booths off of college campuses. Why? Well, because college students are voting Democrat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they did in Wisconsin on mass. They really, really came out and voted, and like they don't want that. Yeah, they definitely don't no. want that. They can't no, win on those look, terms. Voters like suppressing voter turnout has been a Republican. It goes back to the Southern strategy. That is, that is, hmm. again, these are that is not new for. The last 50 years, Republicans have known that way for them to win is to get their diehards to vote as hard as they can and to stop young people, stop women, stop people of color, stop Zyuden from voting. And, and that's how they win elections. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I promise to stop doing German accents. But, no. you know, Zyuden, Zyuden Laus. What you're saying earlier, I, I wanted to ask about the Lebensraum and the the living space that uh, that they're after. And, I mean, it does. It sounds like they're reading off of Nazi pamphlets. Honestly, with a lot of this, with who we talk about and what we're dealing with, people kind of ask, well, "Well, what do we do? Or how does this end? Or where does this go?" And I, we don't know. I, I don't. We don't know. I, we don't know. And I think right now we are in that that stage of dealing with the lone wolf the random acts of, of violence from extremists who who may, you know, take it upon themselves to do something. But again, does that help or hurt them? Or does that does that instill enough fear in the left? Uh, we, we just don't know where it's going. I'd love to. Well, look, I'm not an activist and, and I'm not a political strategist, that's for sure. So <laughs> as far as what people should do, it's the same old saw, act locally. If you have time to volunteer, do, you know, register people to vote in your town. I think one noble thing that people can do during a dark age is just to continue telling the truth. Yeah. Look, I, I lost faith a long time ago in the ability of anything I report or write to have an impact. And again, for all of you listening along, I'm making some air quotes right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I never look at anything I write or report in terms of impact. It is monks during the dark ages time. It is, I am going to make sure that there is a record of true things somewhere so that when humanity hopefully does begin, you know, the slow arc towards justice again, there will be a record of what was said and who did what that is true. That's the way that I, you know, when I'm depressed about all this or, or feeling utterly hopeless, which happens a lot, I say that that is the job. The job is, is to have a complete record of true things, which, you know, has always been the job of journalism to say things that are true. Here is a true story. And at its goal, that's it. That's it. So I say to anyone who's listening, it's like, what it, what can you do? There are community groups organizing in every single part of this country. Find one thing that you care about. You can't do everything. Is it climate change? Is it voter registration? Is it outreach programs to at-risk kids? Is it LGBTQ crisis centers? Is it suicide hotlines? I don't know. There are certainly no shortage of fires burning everywhere, in addition to the literal fires that are burning everywhere. So especially if you're in like California or something like that, pick one. Everyone's lives are busy and we're all working harder than ever. Find one or two hours a week to volunteer. It will speak to other people. It will also has the extra added benefit of making you feel better. It yes. makes rather than, you know, remaining in your room and staring at a screen, which only makes all of us feel worse. So yeah. what's going to turn us out of it? You ready? I'm going to get esoteric here, guys. <laughs> ready? Yeah. Ready? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Prepare yeah, yourselves emotionally and spiritually. I'm going to quote the uh, Japanese poet Issa, and, and I'm going to quote a haiku of his, and it's snail, climb Mount Fuji, but slowly, slowly. That's my advice. That's great. Wow. Sometimes I think it's inchworm. It might be inchworm climbing Mount Fuji. And again, <laughs> if, if, if I've misquoted the poet Issa, then, you know, I'm going to hell. But uh, <laughs> the, the sentiment is the same, I think, uh, regardless of your translation. Yeah. You know, that's it. That's it. Find something you care about. It'll help. How much? I don't know. Maybe we cannot. Maybe there's nothing to be done about this wave that's about to crash down under us. But do your part. You'll feel better. It'll make you feel good about yourself. I need to do it more. I'm telling that I'm really, I am only telling, I'm telling myself that as much as anything. Yeah. I, I'm not preaching. Um, We're already feeling guilty here. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, again, that's, that's the role of Zyuden. So <laughs> make you feel, make you feel bad. House, that's why the house Jew is here to make you feel guilty. About it. That's good. It's good that you feel guilty. Oh, um, Robert! Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time today. This uh, is, yeah, this is gotta end right there. That's it. That's, that's a great event. That's a great ending right there. So, yeah, we. Oh my you've been God. wonderful. This has been a lot of fun. Very Thanks enlightening. So you're you're great, great, man. Thanks so much, guys. I don't have any uh, articles out at the moment. Any new stuff? I've got a, a few things that are in production. I'll be sure to. You can still find me on Elon Musk's fanfic site, otherwise known as Twitter. I'm there at B-O-B-S-A-I-E-T-T-A. I'm sure I'll still be there promoting all of my stuff when it's a, a horrible abandoned ghost town and there are nothing but like tumbleweeds and cat turd too, like roaming the halls. I'll still be there. Uh, oh. So you can find me there. And and again, I say this, here's something that I said in a couple of podcasts, and it's, it's still very much true. If you think I'm one of those horrible, evil lefties who are out to get you and you really disagree with everything I say, you know what? Slide in my DMs. And if you're nice, I'll talk. I'll talk to anybody about any of these ideas. And I will I will give your arguments, feelings, and grievances a full hearing. If someone disagrees, literally, I am inviting you to, to do a DM slide, but you have to be nice. Fair. You have to be nice. You have to follow like Robert's rules. You have to be nice. Mm -hmm. If you get mad, then the conversation's over. But I'll I'll talk to anybody. So yeah, well, that's great. Awfully magnanimous offer there, definitely. Yeah. Well, again, thanks so much, and we appreciate it, and we definitely need to have you back on. Oh yeah, soon. This is a blast. <laughs> Thank you. Robert. Thanks so much really for having me, guys. Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to Did Nothing Wrong Pod. Dot com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza BJJ, G R Z A BJJ, as well as DNW Pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong. <laughs>